0: Hello, everyone. My name is Joanne Lockwood, and I'm your host for the Inclusion Bytes podcast. In this series, I have been interviewing a number of amazing people and simply having a conversation around the subject of inclusion, belonging, and generally making the world a better place for everyone to thrive. If you'd love to join me in the future, then please do drop your line to joe.lockwood at That's s-double-e-changehappen.co.uk. You'll be able to catch up with all of the previous shows on iTunes, Spotify, and the usual places. So plug in your headphones, grab a an decaf, and let's get going. Today is episode 32 with the title Standing in the Middle and Feeling Excluded. And I have the absolute honor and privilege to be joined by my great friend, Tom Morley. Tom describes himself as someone who is compelling, cheeky, unbelievably expensive irreverent but at the end of the day value for money and when i asked tom to describe his superpower he said it is authenticity and turning up hello tom welcome to the show
1: it's good to be here and um that whole authenticity thing you probably know this phrase once you can fake that you've got it made
0: uh, but thank you for joining me. I know we've spoken many, many hundreds of hours over the last lockdown months, uh, but so it's been it's been great. we have finally be able to catch up and schedule this in. So, so Tom, tell me about standing in the middle of feeling excluded.
1: <laughs> well, first of all, I have to. Um have to fess up about the decaf because you and I have worked together. I I know you wouldn't go near decaf. So um, I prepared for this by making myself a real full-calf coffee. So uh, if I – yeah, rein me in if I go a bit too far at any point.
0: So off the walls.
1: Yeah, yeah, standing in the middle – I'm still feeling excluded – refers to – uh being the youngest child in a family youngest of four boys and the other three always looked like a gang to me you know fully formed gang and um because i mean this happens to the fourth child you have to look for a role and i was naturally sort of quite artistic anyway so and encouraged by my mum, i'd say you thought she could, uh, move me into the area of graphic design and I could make some money. We were a poor family. So she thought, oh, at last I've had a child who could make us some money. So that kind of excluded me even more from the gang. Cause they thought I was kind of namby pamby while they were you know, building camps and falling out of trees and stuff. Um, so when I, when I grew up, I thought, right. I looked around and I thought right if I become a vocal harmony facilitator that I look I could see you stand in the middle of the circle and you divide the group into three and you teach this group and you teach that group and you teach all different parts and they're all looking at you all the time Um, so I thought that I'm bound to be included then I'll not only be included I'll be the leader but there was a, a quirk I took a drum with me and I used to lead with the drum and then everybody said, Oh, great. That drumming thing was great. Uh, when you come back, can you bring the drums? And I said, this is vocal harmony. It's, it's, it's not about drums, just 200 people, one drum, right. And me, the leader in the middle, they said, yeah, we love the drumming, bring the drums. So eventually it was like, um, Polanski is the tenant you know. When you, you kind of get moved <laughs> to be this person that everyone wants you to be. So I brought two hundred drums and uh, gave them out. They all loved it, and but the trouble was with that. At the end of the session, um, they all kind of loved me and everything, but they went to the bar, and I ended up loading the van and missing all, all the jokes and all the humor. And uh, and then by the time I got to the bar, they're all leaving. So, Bye, Tom. Great session. So I kind of discovered that I couldn't engineer physically a way of being in the gang. I had to kind of join the gang uh, by being – I mean, that's why authenticity comes into it in the intro. I found that um, if I was authentic, I didn't have to trick 200 people into looking at me. I'd just hang out, you know, and say – I'm a bit fed up about this or this went wrong or that went right. Or And uh, and actually, <laughs> man, I could save myself so many years of training uh, to impress people because uh, nobody really needs to do that. You just need to say, um, oh, you know, I'm feeling a bit down today. Oh, come over here, mate. Oh, tell me about it. It's all you need to do.
0: I love the way you said uh, that you you were kind of, you had this vision about this, as you said, vocal harmony facilitator. And that sounds such a great role, vocal (laughs) harmony facilitator. And I've never come across that, but it it cast me back to the days as a, as a young person, you know, we're sitting around the campfire and you do those rounds, you know, London's burning, London's burning and all stuff at different times. You try and get it, that harmony going. So. Yeah. I really, I really t- took me right back to that point in my life and with was, was some fond memories, but isn't it incredible sometimes that despite our best efforts, the thing we want to be proud of yeah. don't relate to, they relate to something that you just, it's incidental, like your drum, you know, this is how you were this vocal harmony facilitator and suddenly you become the drummer out of that. And it's like, it's almost yeah. like forcing you to be someone you weren't trying to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean the my, I mean my brothers all um moved into the furniture business. They made a lot of money in antiques. They were moving furniture all around the world, you know. And and my joke was, well, you people, you get everybody and sit everybody sitting down. Um I'm going to get everybody standing up. So all my groups I always get them standing up. Um, and then when I bought the drums, that kind of African wooden uh, drums with these beautiful hats on, you know, covers in this beautiful African material and string and they're really lovely things. And I'd turn up at these posh venues as the facilitator and the door people would say, oh, are they the new bar stools? Um, you should go around the back, mate, and bring them in the uh, goods entrance. So, again, I was you – know, and, uh, you know, they used to drive – well, they still do, you know, drive furniture all around the country. I'm not doing that. I end up driving these drums up and down motorways, you know, nearly going – I, I mean, I could swap stories with them about how I was falling asleep at the wheel. I was meant to be jetting around the world, you know, with uh, nothing but some songs in my head, teaching people vocal harmony. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's been a disaster.
0: So, do you think that people kind of labeling you as the tradesperson because you were you were the lugger? Because that's that's <laughs> one of the inevitable things when you're the one that's setting up the kit, doing all this. You, you, you almost like they're seeing you as the as the hired help rather than the the main course, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, there there is uh, there's an element of. Um, You know, kind of prophecy in it uh, that what you're trying to run away from just follows you around. And like I say, um, when I don't try, then, uh, I just connect with people anyway, but I've kind of burdened myself with 300 drums. I mean, luckily, (laughs) just before, just before lockdown proper. I knew I was going to be working online because I could see it coming. So I I unloaded the van, and I've got it as a backdrop in my studio here, all the drums piled up. And everyone said, why don't you use green screen? But three days later, some vandals uh, who normally just nick mopeds and set them alight in the uh, local churchyard decided to nick one and set the light against our van. So it blew up in the middle of the night, and we got these messages from the neighbours saying there appears to be a van on fire that looks a bit like yours. Um, I hope it, hope it's all right, but I'd taken all the drums out, so uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't have taken them out. Come to think of it, I should have just left them in there, got the insurance money, and then said to people, it's "Vocal harmony from now on." Sorry. <laughs> damn i thwarted my fate
0: <laughs> I mean, just talk about you know, some of your life in general you, you've got a quite striking appearance and your look is, is very you do you find that that's ever led you to be judged or excluded or, or do you find the opposite
1: well um yeah, both, judged and excluded and included. I mean, the the whole thing about anybody who's a rebel um, or, you know, visually a rebel or they speak like a rebel, re- what they're really doing uh, is they are trying to move away from the mediocrity of normal life, which they would, you know, obviously not like. Um, and there, there's a small tribe of people you can uh, join. It's why a lot of bands meet at art school. It's, uh, you know, when I first went to art school in the foundation year, I was dismally um, kind of disappointed because it was just like an extended sixth form. Now, I thought I was going to be with you know, Salvador Dali and people, you know, kind of budding surrealists or Dada people, but they're all people going, yeah. I quite like uh, McGree. I'm going to do my version. So, but then when I got to Leeds, Leeds Polytechnics, where I met Green and we formed Scriti that, Poly, that now they they really were proper artists. You know, a lot of us, um, we were a whole kind of cohort of rebels. Part, partly because it was the freest course in the country, it was just like a big warehouse, and you had to fight for space. Uh, with the second and third years, and so it was. Uh, it was a real kind of growing up. All the tutors weren't interested in us; they just wanted to do their own work, except maybe someone like Jeff Nuttall, who's a situationist. He's dead now, but a lovely guy. And he would just come round and challenge us sometimes. Say, "That's rubbish. That's brilliant. Publish it. Why are you doing that?" Uh, uh, so, um, yeah, we grew up fast there. And also, nobody, um, nobody encouraged us to say, "Well, it's Monday. What are you going to do this week?" That wouldn't, wouldn't occur to them. So we had to. We had to say, "It's Monday. What am I going to do this week?" I've got all these resources because in those days, you could you could get uh, money to do crazy things from the college itself. We we got grants from the government. We got our rent paid. We got you know so we were really free i mean we didn't know how lucky we were there was just a point in history when that was encouraged you know kind of creativity was really encouraged and nobody said what you're going to do with this when you leave they just said go and influence, you know be an influence in the world be a good influence whether you're a sculptor painter performer you know, it was it was a different time. Uh, we we can believe it. Uh, it was probably only ten years after we left art school that uh, the Royal College was saying we're gearing ourselves to what industry needs. And we we go, what? How can you call yourself an art school?
0: I, I mean, picking up on something you just said there, which I, I find really, really resonates, is this. Uh, you're not. You know. You basically said you can't keep everybody happy. You can't please everybody, mm. and it always resonates with me. Where it's better to engage one person than to have a hundred followers who aren't engaged. It's, it's it's that meaningful connection that you want. And so, motivating and engaging your tribe, your cohort, whatever resonates with you, is actually far better than trying to keep everybody happy. Because if you keep everybody happy, nobody's happy. In my experience, at least you're better off with half the world loving you than. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, a uh, half. I mean, I've uh, I said to my wife, who, who thinks sometimes I'm on social media too much. I said, "Well, look, I uh, I am ridiculously expensive. I I need to engage those people who are going to pay, um, and they don't all know about me. So I will just tell the whole world what I'm doing all the time." Ninety-nine percent of people will hate me. One percent will love me. Naught point, point, one percent will employ me, but they'll pay me so much um, that uh, it'll get us through the year just fine. And so, uh, yeah. At, at first, I wanted everybody to love me when I was a kid. But man, is that you know <laughs> that, that <laughs> that's a fool's uh, uh, what is it? Fool's fool's game.
0: Errand, well, yeah people do it it's mean, yeah it's an unwinnable game
1: isn't it You're it's an unwinnable that. game yeah. Um, yeah it and uh advertising will suggest you can do it if you buy this product or or buy into this brand or you get this and you get that and you get that and then everyone gets to 35 40 they're absolutely exhausted and nobody cared anyway you know <laughs> yeah i think one of the, one of
0: the things i hear a lot of people talk about in the inclusion world is that this, this this deadlock of feeling like you have to include everybody, how do we include everybody in this and I think in order to break that deadlock, you have to recognize that not everybody. it it can be included and as long as you're fair you're respectful you're giving people equality of opportunity and you're giving people dignity then there isn't really a lot you can you can do fairer than that and some people may not be suitable they may not have the capability may not have the interest and I, i i say it's perfectly valid for a brand to say i cater for very thin affluent women in our sportswear line and this product isn't for you in the same way that when you're an artist you're, you produce music or entertain you know full well that not everybody is going to be happy with that and you go well fine that doesn't matter i've got i've got people who love me for what i am and that's that's the authenticity side is not it
1: yeah and i think that uh what you're describing is is a kind of utopia where Um, the brand that caters for the thin, uh, affluent white people uh, is kind of seen as such, as that is a very small minority. And the rest of you, we're doing your clothes over here, your style over there, and there's no judgment between them. However, um, it's set up differently, Uh, and advertising probably understands psychology more than most so it's the whole thing about fomo is uh has just got crazy now so i mean it, 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 when when they started airbrushing photographs long before photoshop when it, they used to airbrush photographs with a real airbrush you know in a proper lap and it would take hours hours and hours to extend a model's legs or bring their uh, hips in or something. Now, of course, everyone can do it on their phones, but they spent a lot of money doing that, and in a deliberate way to exclude people, but say, um, however, you won't feel excluded if you buy this product, or you get on this diet, or you follow this plan, or you, So, so it's all. Um, I mean, the the whole of Western culture is based on exclusion uh, deliberately. So it can sell us products and division, divide and rule. So it, to be a rebel and why people end up in art schools or communes or bands or gangs even, you know, it's so it's to try and get away from that uh, manipulation and say, no, we're setting up an alternative camp over here. But the tr- trouble is, as Jamie Will talks about this um, in a much more eloquent way than I do, he says there's four stages. There'll be Andy Warhol's factory proper, you know, or Studio 54 proper, and then uh, and then it gets kind of watered down and, and a few more people are allowed to get in. And then it becomes something where you can go, oh, I'm drinking out of a glass that Whitney Houston might have Drunk out of on my stag night or my Hindu, and um, and then it just becomes commercialised. So every rebel outpost becomes commercialised eventually. But you just then have to move on. The 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 concern I have for this country, the UK, with uh, Brexit and the kind of shutting down of funding for a lot of projects, both science and art projects, because we can't get. Uh, European funding anymore is that the more sensitive rebels who would need, or the more more sensitive artists, I'll stop calling them rebels, uh, creatives um, who would need uh, the support of a group and the support of a group that had maybe premises or some kind of infrastructure that you could join with all those being destroyed. So, um, you know, like, uh kind of local theatres can be sold off to become luxury flats i i i'm completely neutral here uh politically but um so that's going to happen uh, it's going to happen because of brexit it's, it's going to happen because of covid so consequently people who would have benefited from those local resources arts resources we're going to have a harder time now. I'm kind of lucky. I, I've built some resilience. I've learned some CBT techniques. Uh, uh, I, I have my kind of gang, and um, I'm recognized as such. But it's taken decades for me to get to that position. I, I feel really sorry for, for young people who are coming through, and uh, there isn't really a a lot to support them. As I said, you know, we, we got grants that we never had to pay back and that, and that was hard enough. But to, um, I don't know how the uh, the arts in this country are going to survive. I, I think the spirit will survive, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're saying that, that you've, you've got an inner resilience. How did you find that? Was it something that was always there or you really had to sort of use these CBT techniques or use other techniques to to develop it or or were you always able to rest back on it because you knew it was there under the covers?
1: I think I had to have three nervous breakdowns which kind of relied on... Being depressed for a year each time. These were about ten years apart, and um, at the bottom of of each, I mean, you do hit the bottom. Anybody who's been that low knows you do hit the bottom because if you don't, you never come back. So, and at at, uh, hitting the bottom, there's kind of uh, there's a kind of you sense something. It's terrible. It's dark. You never think you're coming back. But I always had this thing, and it was about harmony, and it was about the groove. It was about rhythm. There was nothing else there. Uh, and as I came back, because that had been the thing that was there, it kind of expanded a bit more each time I came back. So uh, so a- any other lies nonsense political shenanigans da, da, da. it all just sort of became background noise to the groove and harmony so so now i know i mean who knows uh, I, i've learned a lot of techniques so i'll never get depressed again but who knows if if i do it, it's still going to be there you know and uh, And I'll come back and I'll be older and I'll be wiser. And there'll be even less kind of detritus of what I should be doing or what I should be saying or who I should be talking to. And it will be me in the groove. And there's enough people who want to play and dance and sing in harmony in the world. And there I'll be in the middle.
0: Creating the groove and the harmony. Yeah, and, uh, really. Yeah, leading, leading, it, the, leading the uh,
1: yeah, Absolutely, and I'll do it authentically uh, because it's now, you know, if it, it's almost like I'm a hologram of myself built of groove and harmony. And uh, there's lots of space um, and it flickers a bit sometimes, but uh, that's all that's there, you know. And when I first did it, there was a per, there was a kind of scared person in the middle going. Oh, I hope everybody loves me because I'm making them feel so good and their bodies are getting flooded with chemicals and they're all feel good chemicals and you know. So I so I knew that I knew the formula to look like the magician, but really I, I was the wizard of Oz. You know, now I'm just a wizard. <laughs> you know, my own wizard. <laughs>
0: Don't look behind the curtain.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, well there, there is no curtain. Yeah, you know, that, that's a the thing. They, they burn. And, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, when you're talking there about yeah, hidden rock bottom, and I, I no way believe that I have been clinically depressed or to a point where that would be a diagnosis. But I've I've certainly bounced off the bottom of well, I've I have a, as deep as I can get and. Mm. uh several times in my life things have felt like the end of the world um four or five years ago i was going through a phase of my life where i couldn't get out of bed i was breaking into tears all the time i hadn't i couldn't plan more than five minutes ahead something sort of what yeah. do i want to do later well i don't know i don't know what i want to do now kind of yeah. thing And it was yeah i remember laying in bed with, with the world just going round and round in circles there's no answers no get off there's no way of solving any problem and i i remember waking up one morning and just saying i am I'm good enough, I'm mm. valid, who I am is okay. And I didn't need to answer all the questions that were going around in my head. I, I almost like said, well, I'm not brushing them under the carpet. I'm just saying I don't need to answer that because I am. Yeah, I, I don't justify that. And and that what got me out of bed. And I, and I think that that experience four or five years ago unlocked on a resilience which i probably had all my life but now i can fall back on it consciously knowing that it's there and it's there to save me if you like and i and i I think when covid hit last year for me it was just a case of okay have my cry have my readjustment have my pity party for a few days and right okay what's my technique my technique is going right, well, i've done this before i can mm-hmm. do it again and Okay, I appreciate that as a privilege that I have that many people don't, but I was able to bounce back knowing that I've, i I was I could do it because I believed in myself and I you know, I magic stuff out of nowhere, I can do it again type of thing. So that's that's kind of the resilient techniques I use. And it, it's amazing how you can almost do that on a on a day-by-day basis because we all go through these little micro highs, micro lows that we don't really appreciate. And I think I, I mentioned to you earlier that This week, I haven't had as many sales calls or raised as many invoices as I had the previous week. So, therefore, my brain is telling me that I'm I'm less happy because all those chemicals that were making me feel euphoric last week have disappeared this week. So, I'm crashing and burning. So I've just got to look myself in the mirror and go, nothing's changed. Nothing has changed in the world. Yeah, yeah. You're just going through this down cycle and you've just got to ignore it and bounce off it and go, right, next week I'm going to feel great again. And it's learning that, isn't it, and and knowing that that, that bounce-back ability will happen if you keep on.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think we are speaking, and I just want to be clear here, that we, both you and I are speaking, you know, living in one of the, still one of the richest countries in the world, And we're professionals and, you know, our houses are not going to disappear. Um, There's there's going to be water in the tap and the kettle's probably going to work. So um, so we have the luxury of saying, well, if I get depressed, uh, I will still have a roof over my head. A lot of people don't in the world. So so I wouldn't say uh, my formula of having a breakdown is going to work for everybody, nor would I recommend it. But um, it does, uh, as you say, it does. And we, we have the luxury of reading books about saying, just be in the present. And actually, it, it sounds like what you're talking about. And I, I've talked to my wife about this recently, because sometimes I get... Um, visited by an avalanche of regret. And then I just, I don't process it anymore in the kind of CBT way, which I'd have to sit down for three hours and do all these exercises. I just go, yeah, well, that's, you know, who's that for? Who's that avalanche for? It's not affecting anybody else. Um, it's, it's in the past. <laughs> You know, who's 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 kind of in charge of this and i just go well thank you avalanche um i'm just going to listen to the birds singing and really it's not avoidance it's not spiritual bypass it's just a choice to go well yeah all that's going on it's going on for a lot of people all the time um but that is what uh what those guys i i think well they talk about enlightenment is it is you know that you t- you you study you study you study with the master and eventually the master just thwacks you around the head and goes those studies were for nothing except for this thwack now be in the present and you go Oh, is that what it was all for? Yeah, that's what it was all for. I, I, I remember doing a, a workshop with a guy called Chuck Spazano once when I was quite down, and a friend of mine took me there. And he, uh, Chuck Spazano is kind of a spiritual leader in a way, but he was also a bit like a used car salesman, a lovely guy, American guy. And There's about 60 of us there for, for a weekend in London. And it's Friday night, and he said, so you've come on the happiness course. Um, let me tell you the short way to do this course. And he just stood there and he said, "Be happy? And we all sat there and he said, that's it. We said, what? And he said, oh, you want the complicated version. All right, everybody. Um, Who had trouble with their parents growing up? And then we spent the, you know, two and a half days processing everybody, you know, going through this. And then at the end, he said, uh, okay, buddy, be happy. And then having processed it all, we, we knew what he was talking about. But um, that option is always available to us, but we've been so conditioned that that isn't available to us. We have to do all this complicated stuff. We have to you know, I know I keep coming back to deal, We're to deal with it. Deal we have to
0: deal with it.
1: Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Yeah. Process it. Go through this therapy. Go through that therapy. Stop eating this. Stop eating that. Start eating this. Take more vitamins. You'll never get there unless you do this. You know, it's a, uh, there, there's, there's a guy, um,
0: <laughs> As to say, if you listen to this podcast and you're a, a CBT practitioner or you're, you, 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 you're, you've got qualifications in this, and you want you're shouting at the, at the at the PC right now, going, okay, "You don't know nothing." Well, yeah, well, I, me, I, we're not we're not practitioners in it; we just good experience stuff. This isn't it.
1: CBT has saved my life. Uh, I, I I really. I mean, if you look on my. Um, on my website, you'll see something called the the seven step remix process, which is which is CBT made funky. Uh, and really, I did process everything for six months, every day, every day, every day, until I processed uh, a lot of what we we then called uh, mind talk. You know, they call it self talk, monkey mind chatter. You do have to do it, but the, but the annoying thing is, you do have to do it. But then uh, you get to a point where you go, "Oh, I didn't have to do all that," but you have to do it in order to get to the point where you think, "I didn't have to do it." It's it's uh, <laughs> it's like the as I say, you so know, you achieve sublime.
0: mastery. You yeah. get through the practitioner phase, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you become the master of that, of that technique, and therefore you, yeah, go direct to the end. You, know, yeah. you, you you've done the graft, you've, you've done the wax on, wax off, and the, uh, all yeah. the sort of things. So you've become the sort of like the, uh, yeah, the the Jedi or, or the, uh, um, the dojo master or something, whatever you are. Yeah. You, you've done the time. I get that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then when you get there, you, um, you think, oh, uh, but everyone said enlightenment was uh, w- when everything would be fantastic all the time, you know, and you wouldn't have to worry. You wouldn't get any bills. You wouldn't – it's not. It's, it's you know, yeah, you feel you're there, but um, you're living in the real world, and that's – I often say to people, you know, run the business and brand in your own business, It's it is – Um, far tougher road to enlightenment than sitting in the Himalayas for 20 years, you know, letting your beard grow or I don't know what the equivalent would be for a woman, but, you know, just kind of not looking after yourself. Not shaving your legs for a couple of (laughs) years, probably. (laughs) We're going to get into trouble here. Um, So, yeah, but I mean, but basically not kind of tending your body in any way. But just kind of concentrating on the inside, the inside, the inside. You know, that's not what we're here for. What's, what's the point of living in a world if you're not going to live in a world? You know, you can, you can get all that uh. when you're dead, uh, all that thing thereafter, you know. And, and we're here to influence each other. I mean, crikey, the the world would fall down if we all uh, just went and meditated. Well, actually, it wouldn't. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Let's all go and meditate in the Himalayas and let the animals get on with it. I think that's probably the answer.
0: It might have a, an impact on Gillette's uh, stock price. I was going to be shaving their beard off for a while. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So we're a year into lockdown. You know, we, we've... Twenty third of March is, is kind of in the UK when uh, we, we got the uh, the broadcast from Boris telling us that uh, to stay at home, protect the NHS, and save lives. When well, that all, all started, mm. almost a, yeah, only a few few weeks away from that, that anniversary. So, you were, your your business, your life was kind of based around being present in rooms full of people, facilitating, enlightening, empowering, activating people, and that must have been a real kind of nudge or knock that you, you, you found a year, it's a year ago. So what, what, what was going through your mind at the time? Yeah. You know, what was going through the mind of a, of someone who was in that environment? And, and what did you, how did you find yourself I don't know, moving forward from that?
1: I was a bit concerned because, um, I'm, uh, unfortunately I followed in the footsteps of my father who, was really lousy at opening the mail and in those days uh my mum would open it if it was red if a bill was red she'd open it and somehow we were poor but she'd have squirreled away some money um to pay the red bills um when covid hit i i hadn't opened it they don't They don't send red red bills anymore. They send black and white ones. So I hadn't opened the mail, and I opened a a letter. I own a little, well, I used to own a little um, pad, kind of rock star pad in central London, which was part of my income, renting it out. And they said, we're repossessing your flat. Basically, I hadn't, you know, I could have paid, but I just missed some payments. So they repossessed it, and I said, well, that would be good. There will be about 100 grand equity, you know, uh, swings and roundabouts, but the lawyers t- somehow carved up all the equity amongst themselves. I mean, uh, the, at one point they were charging me, through a mistake of theirs, they charged me something like £2,000 a day interest on the loan. So I lost all that money. Um, as I say, the, the, the van got burned. Um, my income was based on, or my work was based on, Again, people to drum in harmony, uh, well, in rhythm, sing in harmony, drum in rhythm. And uh, I needed a place far away from the workplace in order that people would feel safe to do that. Now, <laughs> online, because of the latency issue, we can't drum in time. So everyone's out of time. We can't sing in harmony because everyone sounds terrible. I, I don't know if you've ever tried to sing happy birthdays. It's, it's like, you know. Do, do that and drum. It sounds like sheds falling down in a storm. Um, and the whole security of doing this out of the comfort zone stuff in a venue far away from the workplace had gone too. Everyone was at, at home with the dog watching, kids watching, um, spouses saying, is that what you do at work? Uh, so um, it was a complete disaster for me as far as – My skills went, but I thought, well, what are the outcomes? They're team bonding, um, doing something together that's different, you know, seems impossible. And um, not that I'd advertise it this way, but uh, changing their neurochemistry by, you know, getting up and moving and uh, feeling different, doing something different, you know, wearing a pair of sunglasses on Zoom. It's really simple stuff. So I just started playing their music. Um, from my laptop which at that time was a 2015 macbook and sharing my computer sound and getting them to dance and, uh, and move and bang two pens together or sticks now because they're all muted and they are only listening to music i was playing them they heard the music they heard themselves playing along to the music so they were in time and the amazing thing was, and this was the paradigm shift for me that kind of has sustained me through this year. Everyone's out of time together, so if I play them a track at 130 beats per minute, some people will be putting their hand in the air, some people will be putting their head back. Some, you know, so it's it's been a kind of choreography that would have been insanely expensive to uh, design as a theatre piece, but it's happened by chance. So that is very exciting. It's very exciting to facilitate and it's very exciting for them to be part of. So, and I can do that globally. I, you know, I do global events. I don't have to drive anywhere. Um, you know, the biggest uh, journey I do is from the kitchen to the studio, which is on the third floor carrying two wooden spoons, you know, so I do charge for transport and equipment, but, um, that is, you know, it. I can do these kind of universally uh, successful events, and everybody says, like as before, where I started, that drumming session was fantastic. They're not playing any drums. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> it's because I've got drums in the background, and I might play one drum. Although now I tend to just play uh, chopsticks or something and get them to play. But there's drums on the on the tracks. I play them. Um, so so as far as I know this wasn't in your question that is the beginning of it but the end of it is I think um, when Bryce kind of announces we're coming out of lockdown as they're starting to do now, the main thing I hear from people not just in the business but from everyone is kind of anxiety because they know it's not going to be the same going back to work. I mean, everything's the same and everything's different. And if we're talking about inclusion here, um, and exclusion, everyone's going to be thinking, you know, what is the right protocol? Do we go back? And it's almost like uh, a bereavement. You don't, you don't know what to say. You know, when someone's died or, or more than one person's died, you know, what do you what do you say when you get back to the office? And the office is exactly the same. The coffee machine's in the same place. The work is the same. Um, it's uh, we we are going to go through something. Well, I know, uh, that we've never been through it. I suppose it will be like the, uh, the end of the war in a way. The Second World War. My mum and dad met in, and my my grand told me a lot about the war. Um. It's going to be like that. We're, we're going to go. Oh, we're back. It's, uh, now, what do we do? So, I'd, and my managers are encouraging me to, which I'm designing now. You know, kind of ri- not calling them rituals, but exercises that we can do back in the office to do a checking in. You know, forming a circle and um, just ways to sort of reintegrate ourselves into the workplace. Because it's going to be massive. It's really uh, one of the biggest things of, of this, well, of this century so far. It's got to be.
0: I completely agree. And even before we get actually step foot in the workplace, we've got to get to the workplace. Sitting on the train for two hours with a mask on, because I, I can't see masks disappearing overnight. There's still going to be some restrictions, you know, even... We're going to be cautious about walking too close to each other. We're going to be cautious on escalators. But we want to pack ourselves on the Waterloo and City Line anymore, (laughs) nose to nose, bumper to bumper. Are we going to be cramming ourselves in pubs anymore? So I think we've kind of got used to having space around us. And are we ready to sort of give our personal space back and share it again? And I think there's, there's a whole load of anxieties, as you say, that are yet to come. And I think any workplace that isn't starting their workplace Workforce planning around reintegration um, hundreds of thousands of people have been onboarded into into an organization where they've never met the people and they've never even been to the physical office so there's a whole load of people out there that we need to bring make part include um will we have screens up still yeah you know, it's you know, the, the supermarkets aren't going to suddenly take down all the perspex. On the 21st of June, the banks aren't going to suddenly change this. We're not going to get rid of all of those hand sanitizing machines everywhere um, because there'll still be this risk of return. You know, we're, we're not out of the woods. We may have been vaccinated, but we don't know what's going to go on. They, they, they even talk about potential flare-up every winter and every winter we're going to have to have some level of social distancing mask wearing sanitization hand space face whatever we want to call it for the foreseeable until it becomes a part of history and it's just eventually just faded out so yeah i, I completely i completely get it you know workforce planning uh the work you know the, how we transport and, and travel uh how we socialize everything is changing and C- cater for that with the
1: yeah the
0: I, uh, women have found working from home you know there's a lot of gender inequality in the workplace working from home there's a lot of social divide around internet have not have internet technology not have technology there's a whole load of different experiences people have have they have to as you say come back and grieve over yeah. this year of this year isn't
1: it yeah and and you imagine i mean wh- one of the things i'm suggesting in a very simple kind of movie i'm, I'm making i'm uh, is, you know, as a tip, you know, to, to get back, which is what musicians do and it's what theatre groups do. Um, at the beginning of the day, you know, every, every day, actually, if they're working on a show or working on a production, is you get in a circle, you make sure the circle is circular for a start. Um, and it, it, it this is interesting because on Zoom, the hierarchy of the company is gone. We're all in the same box, you know, in the same size. The CEO doesn't have a bigger box on Zoom, a bigger picture. So uh, forming the circle and being in the circle is, you know, it, it will emulate that a little bit. And also the whole thing about being on mute and not, you know, and unmuting yourself, that has been going on in circles of, performers and artists for uh, probably centuries that uh you you speak you have a time to speak where which might be uh you know timed by a timekeeper one minute two minute you share how exactly how you're feeling authentically you don't go i'm fine you know covid's been a bit annoying but actually, I'm fine, <laughs> you just go, you know, you uh, as much grief can come out or as much positivity or as much hope can come out in that time. And then nobody says, oh, yeah, I feel like that, or, oh, you shouldn't feel that bad, oh, let's go for a coffee. Yeah, you, you're not allowed to say anything like that. You go on to the next person. They speak. They had a great time. The next person speaks their grandfather died, you know, da-da-da, you go around. But you build this kind of circle of trust and then you go on and you live that day and then when you come back the next day, someone else might have gone down, someone else might have come up. But gradually you build this, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's kind of circle of vulnerability, but um, support you Know and and uh, and we, we're we going to need to do those sorts of things because if we just go back and go, Oh, yeah, anyone go to Starbucks? You know, it's <laughs> uh, other coffees available, but the, it's just um, it's it's going to be a disaster. As I, I, not, uh, yeah, I might as well mention this, but uh, my mum died when I was 13, and uh, at that point. I thought the adults in the world knew everything. Uh, I, I wasn't even told she was dying. Uh, I was just told she dead. She's, she died last night. Sorry to have to tell you. Um, and nobody knew how to cope with it. Nobody phoned my school. Nobody, if her name was spoken, people got embarrassed. Um, I mean, it, it was, it, it was like living in this crazy world all of a sudden where nobody knew anything that the, the the illusion that adults could run things was taken from it. And I think if we try to go back to work and we don't acknowledge, like we didn't acknowledge my mum's death, if we don't acknowledge uh, what COVID has done, even to the point of, you know, simple things like you're saying, like not being able to get into high heels anymore because our feet have expanded and that's just the men, you know, the, the, There'll be all sorts of things that we can't do anymore or don't want to do anymore. And we've got to talk about them and we've got to restructure accordingly because this is the paradigm shift that Extinction Rebellion were talking about, where everyone said, that can't, that don't be crazy. We can't stop the planes flying. We can't stop commuting. You're mad, you people. Think of Pauline on the checkout. Think of poor Pauline, uh, you know, not being able to get the work. Pauline hasn't gone to work for a year. The the world hasn't ended, you know, so it's been delivered to us. We can, We can now change, will we? You know, that would be, I would love that kind of inclusion to go, yeah, all right, we're all in the same boat. You know the Tories talk talk about it as if we are, but we're not we're not in their posh, posh boat where nothing changes for them now, like I said I'm um, completely uh, neutral politically, but they do rather annoy me sometimes so uh, let's all be in the same boat and let's say, yeah, this is an opportunity we didn't see it coming uh let's change I mean they're already taking apart all the jumbo jets so we can't go back to that kind of uh flying around the world all the time because we're scared of hitting the wrong button on zoom so we'd rather go to a meeting you know uh, we've been trained we we're returning to a completely different world and we have to acknowledge that, and we have to work with the advantages of it oh
0: certainly i mean, i'm when i Talked a lot of my my clients and customers there. There's a lot more emphasis on storytelling, you know, lived experience, understanding people, people being vulnerable, and it's 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 accepted that people can be vulnerable now because, as you say, we've all lived through the same storm. Our boats some some of us have engines, some of us the sails are broken, etc. So we're in different boats, but we, we we have got this kind of shared experience where we know that w- what's going on in someone's mind. We, we can, we can very easily say when we meet someone online or wherever, that how is it going for you? How's the lockdown being? We've got this common theme other than the weather to talk about for the first yeah. time in British history or the war. <laughs> um, so I think it is, I think it's really important, as you say, to keep telling these stories, not let the, the dead die in vain, not let the people who have suffered suffer in vain, yeah. not, Understanding the social inequities, you know, the, the impact of, uh, social, low social groups and their susceptibility to dying of COVID because of the environment they're living in. We've got to unpack this. We've got to put it on the table and say, well, this now we shall not propagate this. We've got to learn from this. And that's, I, I'm hoping that the population, the people will tell these stories and we won't let, if you like, the, the ruling class, the government, the privileged, try and revert us back and uh, to where we were and just tell it oh forget about it we'll just carry on here's some cash get on with it yeah i hope we do put a stake in the ground and say no we're not going back let's 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 keep what we've learned tell those stories um because if yeah, we don't what not- we've done is people have died for nothing
1: yeah, absolutely, uh, and and we can tell those stories in different ways. I, I recently saw, admittedly, on social media, it was just a meme, but it had uh, had the, the 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 nations who'd done best in uh, in COVID times, uh, you know, as far as protecting the population, and the nations that had done worst, and you can imagine gender-wise. Um, All the nations who'd done best were run by women. All the nations who did worst were run by men. I mean, it's that simple. So what does that tell us? I wonder whether, uh, given that we've been ruled by men for a long time now, claiming they knew what they were doing, they didn't, you know, the women knew. Why don't we just say, okay, boys, you've had your time. Um, we're just going to give it to the women for the next ten years. I mean, really, if I if I was head of the United Nations and I had any power, that's what I would do. I'd say, you know, maybe they'll make some mistakes, but crikey, they can't make any worse mistakes than the men who just, uh, you know, cronyism has run rife. I mean, they've uh, uh, it's been embarrassing the way the world has responded. Really, uh, especially the men. Uh, I I feel. I, I often feel um, ashamed of my gender and the way they behave. You know, they just assume power. It's—I uh, mean, they're idiots, and and women know how to handle crisis. You know, if, if I want to be general about it.
0: <laughs> I mean, for sure, I, I completely agree that what we need to do is start valuing different personality attributes. In different ways. So when we, we think about empathy, emotional connections, I'm not saying we, we, we stereotype women and saying all they have is empathy and emotional connections. What I'm saying there are fe- what we would consider feminine traits. There are what we consider masculine traits. And we always seem to value masculine traits and, you know, big, loud, boisterous, overly confident tends to rule the world and what we need to look is, is look at the meritocracy look at what makes up the meritocracy yeah. look at what makes someone valuable and start to value different attributes and skills that many men have but they're 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 they're, they're often uh, submerged because they hide them they cover them in order to fit in with the in with their colleagues and there are f- skills that women have that are valuable and sometimes they, they they mask them in order to fit into the male world. So I think by looking at the different elements of meritocracy, looking at different personalities that people have, they're really analysing what skills and we need in the roles of lead, business leaders, politicians, world leaders, or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And, and we we don't try and make this gender bias balance saying, well, men had it, men tried it and got it wrong, therefore women have a go. What we need to look at is. What are the best attributes of the leaders that we want to see uh, and encourage those behaviors in our, in our, in our children? We nurture that through schools and we create that environment where we're breeding better, more rounded human beings that aren't necessarily categorized by gender or by race or by color or whatever that may be. And that, yeah. that's, the, that's the challenge of building this equitable society with the social yeah, justice, right. isn't it?
1: I'm being too, uh, black and white in, in talking about it in gender terms. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I sometimes have to play the devil's advocate to, to get the conversation going. But, the, but you're right. But it's so if we take Jacinda Ardern, you know, uh, on one kind of, uh, end of the spectrum about how to govern, where she says, well, GDP isn't, um, the main thing, uh, of New Zealand. That's not what we're going for. We're not going to go for continuous growth, which is the basis of capitalism. Um, She says we're we're going to go for the the emotional well-being and the health of the whole population. You know, that is seen as revolutionary. It's not Mm. really, is it, if you were to run a tribe? (laughs) And then on the other side, you have these pantomime dames, you know, Boris and uh, what's his name, Trump, you know, who, who could not be, um, more exaggerated, uh, examples of stupidity, greed, vanity, and absolute kind of desolation as far as emotional intelligence goes. So we have these examples now. And uh, yeah, and you're right. They're not male and female. They're just, uh, attitudes really to, to getting things done. I mean, the, all politicians do we give them their money they get things done or they don't get them done so um so I think you're right. But let's look around and let's not go, oh, let's draw a line in the sand. COVID's gone. Hooray. Let's all have a party. Let's have a, you know, history. What was it? they talking
0: about? Festival of Brexit. Yeah. Let's get a street party. Put, <laughs> put the big tables out. Get our flags out. And yeah. sing world Britannia. Cause that's, yeah. And, that's let's not what we're being, and let's
1: stop being negative and mentioning COVID and, you know, the hundreds of thousands that died, you know, mismanagement i mean it it's it, it will happen you know it will happen they'll try but but we must resist
0: we must resist um can i put you on the spot i mean I, yeah. I, I, when i've listened to some of your gigs and been part of some of your gigs I, I love the simplicity that you say to people about how anyone can play a tune mm. and you say this little phrase and with the phrase you, you you, you you tap the rhythm out of the baked bean can with a couple of chopsticks. <laughs> do you have your chopsticks on the baked bean can handy? And just tell oh. the audience, you know, I love you, and don't you forget it, and how to bring um, that tune to life.
1: Well, uh, yeah, given that you can edit this, I can do it. Um,
0: let me see. Right, so this, is the, to... this is the pause. <laughs> Tumbleweed. Yeah. <laughs> the studio is now being wrecked as Tom bends uh, over yeah. and knocks over the the guitar and uh, the keyboard. It's cool. It's
1: cool. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm looking for a can. I might have to do it on a colander. Let me, uh, Let me see if
0: it works. A colander's well. good. I mean. As far as, the, as far as the audience is concerned, they're on audio only. They can't see you. So I yeah. don't think a, yep. whether it's a can or a, a colander, it doesn't matter. I, I, I did put you on the spot here, and I do appreciate that. Uh, I
1: myself in
0: knots on the Don't destroy the myth that Tom's always got a can and a pair of chopsticks in his <laughs> pocket. <laughs> uh-huh,
1: uh-huh, uh-huh. Let me see if he'll work on me. The... Uh. Yeah, we're just about working on Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Um, do you want me to still pretend it's a can or should I say it's a colander?
0: No, 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 no. I mean, we, I might even not cut this. we we'll just leave it rolling. So okay. Uh,
1: so this is – uh, Tell us the story. This is a yeah. colander on the floor. Um, that, it, when I studied uh, – you know, Latin American percussion. I mean, you get you've got the basic. I'm going to play this on, like the, uh, on a remote control, and a wooden the uh, other end of a wooden spoon. So you've got the clave, which is. which is the basis of a lot of um carnival music and then i say uh to people if you find yourself in the carnival and you feel a bit excluded because um you you know you feel a bit white and tourist um just pick up anything on the ground it could be a uh, tin can. I've actually got a colander here, which uh, uh, is on my studio floor at all times, and I'm going to play it with a wooden spoon. So, and the rhythm is "I love you and don't you forget it." So, uh, you, even if you, you know, so you don't have to remember the rhythm. You just think, oh, "I love you and don't you forget it." You can't even say it a different way than uh, the way of, of the beat is. I love you and don't you forget it. So, if you put that with the clave, um, then uh, you've you've pretty much got a carnival. Uh, You just need a bass drum other than the. I've got hundreds of people playing that, thousands over the last year. And. um, And I've also got, you know, with parents playing it, I've got their kids watching, and I say to the kids, you know, kids, when when your parents say they're going to work and they're doing serious stuff, this is what they're doing really. (laughs) I love that. And then I just get the kids joining in, playing buckets and – and the other day, I said again, it was, it was a you know corporate team building gig. Uh, uh, everyone was standing up because I get them standing up. And I said, do you know what? We're all missing going on holiday. Bring something to the screen that reminds you of holiday. So they're bringing goggles and masks and snorkels. And then the the, the kids always end up sort of crowding in. They can't resist it. Um. So one of the, the, this little girl, she must've been about seven years old. She started doing the crawl. She put these goggles on and she was doing the crawl in the air. And um, her dad, uh, who's this big guy, he picked her up. So she was kind of horizontal in the air doing the crawl, but doing it really well. I mean, she was a dancer, this girl, obviously a natural dancer. So I just said to all 30 of them, you know, the board and everybody i said okay buddy let's do the crawl you know so, <laughs> so they're all swimming in the air and they were bringing things like suntan lotion and you know hats and you know, all sorts, Uh, I said to them, see how many pairs of sunglasses you can jam on your head. So some people were wearing five pairs of sunglasses, you know, and that began with uh, them just uh, me saying, why don't you play this rhythm? (laughs) It turns into a circus of creativity. And I know, you see, the, the thing is, I've been doing this so long, I know that's not far from the surface in anybody. Uh, it's dying to come out and it's, it seems especially dying to come out in lockdown. So um, I've just had a whale of a time this year. And, and uh, to, to be honest, I'm quite concerned about going back on stage because I I can't, even if I see someone in the back row, it takes eight, you know, who really is a good dancer, takes quite a lot of kerfuffle to get them on stage. On zoom, I can just spotlight them in, a second, uh, or if I'm working with a spotlight, uh, then I just go, spotlight that guy, you know, them, let's bring him. Oh, I don't I even whisper it, I think, because I can see their name. Bring Joe to the stage, you know, Joe and his daughter. And uh, they become stars instantly. And what does that do to a team who are used to, going on away days and having gala dinners and getting indigestion and staying up too late and pretending they haven't got a hangover because they're tough, you know, all that is gone they're they're at home and they're just having a whale of a time and the feedback as it comes in, you know, the chat is, this is incredible or go Joe or go Julie or you know, it's uh, I mean, it's amazing what we've done and I'm kind of concerned that uh, because the government say go back to your offices because we want to keep Starbucks and Pret and Manger open, you know, it's it's nothing in comparison to what they're doing now. You know, Pret and Starbucks can work out a different business model. I don't want them to fail, but the you know, <laughs> let's not go, you know, and return to the old thing just to keep the old structures going. We've 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 built this glorious world of kind of interaction and colour and kids being involved rather than being left crying because their dad's at a conference for three days and all he's doing is getting a hangover. Yeah. Like I say, I'm neutral about the whole
0: thing. Amazing. I mean, Tom, <laughs> Tom, absolutely amazing, amazing. I've sat through I've well, been part of many of your rockstar activator sessions, um, mm. both as a, a spotlighter for you or sitting working on your production behind the camera, and mm. I'm always in awe of. You think it's you know you think it's a one off. You know, how can anybody do that again? <laughs> the next time they're producing bass guitar, drum kits out of nowhere, They've yeah, got this sort of. Um, African drum comes out, and then you've got this sort of like this Japanese thing pops up, and everyone's everyone's got these instruments in their homes, and they just bring them out suddenly they're on camera, and everyone is dancing everyone's engaging the, the whole families are involved, not just the people you know the corporate business people yes. It's all the, all the children suddenly become part of it and and mum and dad and the children or dad and dad and the children and mum and mum and the children mm-hmm. are all joining in together, making this a family event, aren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, talk about inclusion. You you if, you know, I've done, you know, pre-covid, I've I've helped out on family days for companies. It takes them four months to organize those family days and they uh, they might get a, a big top or something, they might get a clown in, but it's nothing like what we do online. And and it, it doesn't take any organizing at all except clicking the Zoom link. And, um, if on those family days, those on-site ones, I'd say, okay, I'm going to email you a list, bring some sunglasses, bring a hat, bring some, bring the, half the people turn up and go, yeah, I never read the email. Uh, whereas if I, if I do it on Zoom, I know all that stuff is in the house. <laughs> There's no way if I say, right, everyone get a colander and a wooden spoon. They've all got a colander and a wooden spoon. You know so. And they've all got hats, and they've all got, as you say, they've all got these surprise instruments. If a, you know, if I say, "All right," there's so mime guitar, just with a uh, you know wooden spoon or or a mime with a clipboard or something, the screen will fill with guitars <laughs> and uh, banjos and uh, all sorts, tennis rackets. You know, it it's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, what people have got at home.
0: Yeah it is yeah and the power of your your vox activator sort of show really because it really does everybody feels part of it don't they everybody feels like they want to take part and they'll it, it brings out their inner sort of show off almost because they, yeah. s- they feel safe in their own home don't they they don't feel like they're yeah. being embarrassed because all they can see is you and them sort of thing. So yeah, it's, it's a
1: yeah. safe space Natural. isn't it yeah and uh, i i mean i've got guitars and drums and all sorts here, but very often i say, okay, let's play guitar and i just play a wooden spoon or uh, so, I, so, you know, so I'm not the king of the show, you know, and people bring pillows. You know, they play, they just grab cushions and they play them like kind of real rock stars. It's amazing. They believe it. Uh, and because it there's yeah. you know, screens full of their colleagues doing the same, as, as you said, they kind of build um the energy themselves oh if pam's doing that i can do this you know if joe's doing this if you know so it's um
0: they're trying to outdo each other and outshine and out-guitar out each other, aren't they? It's, it's rivalry and everything is going on.
1: I, just, I don't even think it's that competitive. I think it's, ah, okay, So it's more like permission. Oh, I see, we're allowed to do this. I don't think they're trying to – I don't get the sense mm-hmm. they're trying to beat each other. It's like, ah, okay, then. I, I get it. It's cloak time. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of – that whole thing about the shades, I just discovered. Um, yeah, well, you seem to have two pairs of shades there. Why don't you get them both on? And then I, if I put five pairs of shades on, they're all, yeah, all oh, right. It's kind of insect time. It's um, <laughs> uh, it's it, it's just outrageous what happens. Uh, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't do a creativity workshop if you planned it. It's just play the, you know, play the music, play it loud. Their, their, their systems are good, or they're wearing headphones, or. And they just get really excited. It's like being at a gig. It's amazing.
0: Fantastic. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more about you, your Rockstar Activator program, or or just generally saying hi? How do they get hold of you?
1: Well, my name is Tom Morley, T-O-M-M-O-R-L-E-Y. So I'm at TomMorley.com. I'm all over the internet as well, if you were to put in Tom Morley drums into a search or Tom Morley rock star, you'd find me. But if you come to the website, then you can find everything, all, all the tags, all the, and you can email me from there. And also, that email will also go to my managers. So if you're thinking, yeah, this guy sounds a bit weird, but is he organized? The, the, if you email me, it'll go straight to them. And if you say, yeah, well, I just need a price to take to a meeting. You'll get it within an hour. I mean, you don't have to say it in that voice. You can say, I need a price to take to a meeting. So we cater for everybody. And uh, so there's a whole structure behind me. Luckily, there didn't used to be, but there is now last year, uh, which is great because all I have to do is worry or concern myself with the creativity. And they they do all the contracts and all that. Uh, They just send me some money every now and then.
0: Yeah, you you do rhythm and groove. Somebody else yeah, does yeah. invoice and <laughs> <Yes>. finance. That's <laughs> yes. the way it should be. Yeah, isn't
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. And they do it really well. I mean, it's it's a great formula. I wish I'd learned it forty years ago. But there you go.
0: Well a huge thank you. Um it's been an absolute honor and privilege to uh, spend another hour and a bit's company with you. Um I know we get on and we we talk often but this has been inspirational. I've learned some stuff about the I never knew before. And I'm I, and a huge thank you to you the listener for tuning in and keeping up this far. Uh please do subscribe to keep updated on future episodes of the Inclusion Bites podcast that's B-I-T-E-S. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues. And I've got a number of – well, as I say, more exciting guests. I'm not sure we can get more exciting than the guests we've had already on on the show. But I've got loads more guests lined up that I'm sure you're going to be inspired by over the next weeks and months. And of course, why don't you come on the show? I'm sure you can be inspirational and I'm sure you can bring some some insight into your own world. So – Please do let me know. Uh, welcome your feedback, your suggestions, how we can improve the show. So email me at joe.lockwood at Um That will come to me. I won't be passing it on to my manager or anybody like that. You'll get me with that email address, guaranteed. So my name is Joanne Lockwood. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to host this podcast for you today. Catch you next time. Bye.